Have you had your daily dose today? Your daily dose of relational vitamin C that will help you through the ills and chills that can creep into the wellness of your marriage? It's the three-part layering of protection that can keep the direction of your marriage steady. It can keep you ready for the plagues of relational disruption. Today, I wanna share with you three doses of vitamin C to add to the pot of your marriage stew. Just a quick recap of what you have added so far. Part one was about inspecting the pot of you and making sure that the gunk and the grime of past issues or current stressors aren't infecting the pot of your new brew. Part two was a reminder that self-care is marriage care, and if your personal wellness isn't in tune, your union is more likely to hit those sour notes. Part three was a spotlight on new love and a reminder to those of us in more seasoned marriages to remember the richness of our marital beginnings and not to lose the blessings or the memories of why we're together with our spouses in the first place. And today, part four is going to cover how to inject the pot with more elements of marital wellness to keep your immunity when things may feel like they are falling apart. Today is about the vitamin C of connection, communication, and conflict. I'm going to start with connection. And the reason I start here is in order for us to get to know our spouse in the first place, we had to start with the connection. What was it about your spouse that you saw, that you felt, and that you experienced that led you to believe that you wanted to be with him? That is where that connection begins. It was that energy. It was that attraction. So what is that for you now in your relationship? What is the layering of connection that makes you want to be in the marriage that you are in right now? And if you are wondering and saying to yourself, I don't know what that connection is. As a matter of fact, I don't feel like I'm connected to my spouse at all. Today is the day to start reconnecting if that is what you and your spouse choose to do. And when I talk about connection, I'm talking about finding those things between you and your spouse that draw you together versus pulling you apart. It may be things that you have in common. It may be the energy that the two of you bring in the room together. What is it that gives you the sense that he is for you and you are for him? Let me give you an example. At the end of a rough day, you can't wait for your spouse to get back home to you so that you can share your heart, your experience, your frustration, and you can't think of anyone else that you want to unpack that with. He is the first person that you want to call and give that good news. That is the connection I'm talking about. It's the security. It's the trust. It is the foundation of knowing that you're Your spouse is there for you and is the action of you being there for him as well. If for some reason you have lost the connection with your spouse, maybe this is the time for the two of you to start reconnecting. What does that look like? I'm going to give you a couple of ways that the two of you can start that process. 
One way is through honesty. And that means you have to unpack reasons why you're not connected in the first place. And that may mean that you're going to be honest about past hurts or issues that have maybe scarred that connection and got you to a place where you are pulling away instead of moving toward each other. Connection means time together. It is really difficult to have a sense of connectedness with someone that you don't spend time with. One of the things that I work with couples on is finding time to connect. And sometimes that means that you have to schedule it. I get it. That's not very romantic. But if you have a busy life or you and your spouse have issues that have created such a distance that you really don't even want to be around each other, scheduling time together, intentional time to work on that issue may be necessary. And the next C is communication. Are you talking or are you communicating? Some people believe that just because they are good at talking a lot, that means they're effective and good communicators. And let me just say this very clearly. Communication does not involve talking alone. Yes, words are part of it, but there are two areas that I want you to consider today outside of the words that you are using. And those two areas are the body language, and I like to call it in my work with couples, it's the body of language where I encourage them to pay attention to their own bodies during like tense times and the body of their spouse. And what I mean by that is, what is the facial expression? How many of you listening today know what your face is doing during times of communication? What does your face look like? There are times where I feel like I'm looking neutral or relaxed. And even my daughter will say, mom, you look like you're wanting to say something or why are you raising your eyebrow or why are you giving me that look? Because I don't always know what my face looks like. So if you are paying attention to how your body is expressing your thoughts, your energy and your emotions, and also being an observer of the other individual, this individual being your spouse, paying attention to his facial expression and his body. Is it tense or is it relaxed? Is he giving you eye contact or is he looking away? Is he frowning or smiling? Even the proximity while the two of you are talking, this is the body of language that I'm talking about. So the next time that you have a conversation with your spouse, pay attention to your body and his body and ask yourself, what is it communicating during this interaction? Is it helping to draw us near or is there something in the body language that we are using that's pulling us apart and making this communication more difficult? And the next thing is the listening. Listening is an art because many of us don't do it well. How often are you quiet during the conversation in that moment, but you're really not listening? You're waiting, waiting for your opportunity to defend or respond and worse yet, maybe even to react to what your spouse is talking about. How often are you quiet, but you're not even paying attention? Your mind is somewhere else. You're thinking about the next television program that you're going to watch or something that you have to do for work or what you're going to cook for dinner. 
So listening is an intentional process. It means that you are consuming what your spouse is saying and not for the purpose of responding, but the purpose of understanding. So you are gathering information from him so that you can use it to enhance your relationship and that interactive experience that you're having together in that moment. I want you to consider the fact that the word listen and the word silent have the exact same letters. And that means that if you are talking, you are not listening. The art of being a silent, intentional listener is a very important component of communication. And in my session with couples, I will often have one couple only listen. That means that he or she is not going to respond to anything as far as giving feedback or thoughts, but only listening and taking notes about what the spouse is saying. It's gathering information and the only way they're going to interact with their spouse is to ask questions so they can gather more information because we're often not doing that. I don't remember exactly where I heard this quote. I'll have to look it up later. Um, But the quote was, listen so well that you forget what you were going to say. Now that's intentional listening. I'm going to add one more thing to the communication piece. And as you can probably sense from this conversation, communication is usually just one of the biggest barriers that couples have uh, as far as relational discord is concerned. And I walk them through this um, activity of expressing their feelings. And I'm sure many of you listening today, you've heard of the I statements, like use I statements, uh, try not to use you, don't ask the why questions because it can create a sense of feeling blamed. But this is an activity, it's an I feel statement, but it is very strategic because you are expressing how you feel. You are being very clear about why you are feeling that way. And in addition to that, you are expressing what you need. So it is not an attack on your spouse. In fact, a lot of times when you're using this technique, characteristics about your spouse don't even come into play. So I'm going to give you an example. And let's just use the example of dishes. So you wake up in the morning and the dishes are not done again. So instead of approaching your spouse and saying, you are so lazy, why can't you ever follow through with the things that I asked you to do. I've asked you five times to clean the kitchen in the evening so I don't wake up to dirty dishes in the morning. What is wrong with you? How do you imagine your spouse for one is going to feel? And how do you suspect he is going to react? I don't say respond because typically that type of approach is going to give you a reaction. And as we're talking about having a healthy relational stew, that's probably going to be a big blop of sourness. The next example is going to be that I feel about what I need or what I would like is. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I feel, put in the emotion, about that thing that experience that is causing the emotion and what is it that you need or that you would like to see happening differently. So here's the example in relation to the dishes. 
I feel really frustrated about waking up in the morning and seeing dirty dishes in the sink. What I need is for the dishes to be washed in the evening on your dish day. So if you notice there's a clear emotion being expressed, there is a specific issue being addressed, right, which is the dishes, It's you dealing with the dishes, you pointing out the dishes, not pointing out your husband's flaws. And then you're expressing the need. What is it that you would like to request that your spouse do differently? And once you've done that, it is up to him whether or not he honors it or not. Your responsibility is to express. It's not to force him, to persuade him, to nag him into doing the dishes. It's for you to say, this is what I'm feeling about this matter, this area of concern, and this is what I need from you. The last C on the agenda today is conflict. Conflict is a very familiar theme in um, couples counseling. It's something that happens in all relationships, but unfortunately, it can be a difficult arena to navigate through well. So it's not if your relationship will have a conflict, it's when. And when those conflicts happen, how do you address them? The first thing I often have couples do when there is a conflict is to identify what the conflict is. What are they in my office to address? And interestingly enough, often they have a difficult time naming a mutual conflict. One person is wanting to address this and one person is wanting to address that. So that's not uncommon. So I have them to decide which conflict do you want to address first. So it's coming together as a team and deciding this is our focus and working together to find a win-win solution. Give each of you some sense that you are moving closer to having your needs met. Conflict resolution takes practice. So if you're feeling like you're not doing it well, you are not alone. Uh, So I'm going to just give you a few things to take away today to consider. First is accept that conflict is normal. Uh, And there are some problems that are reoccurring. That means that they're not going to be solved and you're not necessarily going to have a solution. And some of the conflicts are really just about our personality differences and just the way that we move through this world as human beings. And we're coming together in our relationship and wanting the other person, our spouse to change when that's just not a real expectation to have. next thing is just to agree to work with each other on what you can do. And in order to find out what the workable issues are, you have to communicate and resist the urge to attack each other. Yes, I want you as a couple to attack the problem, attack the chores and figure out what it is that the two of you can do to make your household run more smoothly. It's attacking whatever that problem is as a team and remembering what your vision is on the other side of it. So if your vision is on the other side of this conflict, I want us to have peace, harmony uh, and respect and love for each other. That is going to help to guide you in how you manage your conflict, because if that is your guide, my guess is that you're not going to be calling each other names. You're not going to be yelling. You're not going to be doing the silent treatment. You are going to be working together for that mutual goal. 
That is the vitamin C dose that I want you to consider adding to your marriage stew connection, communication, and conflict management. Those are the three vitamin C's of marital wellness that I want to leave you with. So in honor of National Couple Appreciation Month, I hope that this series has helped you in some way to make your marriage a richer and more flavorful experience. And I suspect that many of you out there listening that you have your own additions that you've been thinking about over the past four episodes. And my hope is that you will get them in your pot and make sure that it is well stirred and well preserved on your journey to having a marital stew that you will want second thirds, and forevermores today, tomorrow, and for years to come. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you found value in the conversation. Keep in mind that the information shared is not a substitute for services from a licensed mental health provider or medical professional. To tap into more information, check out my website at trailstotransformation.com. Don't forget to follow and share the podcast and tune in next week for another conversation pulling back the layers of who we are, who we want to be, and how to become her.